0: Ted Bernard, what's up, brother? Alan, how are you? Thank you so much for coming on the program. Absolutely, it was my pleasure. Super grateful to Evan Bliss for making the
1: introduction. Uh, No, that guy, he's a connector.
0: He is. He is. We've had some great conversations with him on the program, and he's brought on a lot of our powerful guests on the show as well. Yeah, I
1: actually uh, listen to you guys' podcast. I've been a fan of Evan, I mean, since we've met. So, Yeah. yeah, I appreciate him making this connection.
0: Hell yeah, and I'm pumped to talk to you about executing ideas. For sure. And I love the way that you see it on a there's all these creative opportunities of people actualizing ideas into the world and that we need the the proper allocation of both the investors, the influencers, the execution strategies for the gifts to flourish. And I like that macro level view that you have as you funnel the pieces in for different people to actualize those ideas.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: I'm pumped to unpack that. Let's launch things off with some of our favorite questions. I'm curious, what do you think is the nature of reality? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I saw that when I when I looked
1: at your site and I was like looking through some of the questions, your favorite questions. I was like, I I, I was in deep thought <laughs> considering the nature of reality. Yeah, um, so I think uh, reality is the nature of reality is, I guess, um, our like social construct, right? So like kind of like the habits that we have, the um, you know, the makeup of our surroundings, um. And I guess for everyone, that's like dramatically different, because whether you're in like a rural area or a city, um, your reality shifts. Right. What's important to you shifts. The people around you shifts. I think that with everything we're going on with everything that's going on in the world now, I think a lot of people have seen reality really kind of become reality. When you think about like, you know, working from home and everything that you thought was like really important in your life um it's had to shift. You know, you had to like distill things down to the essence of um you know where you are at the present moment. And a lot of for a lot of people that was just stuck at home or for a lot of people that was like being on the front lines and um for them uh the nature of reality I think was is was very fluid. Um so I guess like it's just it's yeah, I guess it's different um based on where you are, who you are and and your contribution on, on, on the in the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a perspective on it that's really rooted in the subjective experience of each individual conscious agent. And so I'm curious that's a a very it's a fairly a representation that is more in a sense it can be viewed as something that is very much or folk focused around maybe the the individual and their individual experience whether they're in a rural setting or urban setting whether they are of a specific socioeconomic status whatnot and then there's also the sort of and that can be maybe like a self-actualization like exterior artistry north stars People have different gifts. Someone just wants to be a good parent. Someone wants to be a business owner of a one brick and mortar store. Someone wants to be a Fortune 500 CEO. So there's these all these different colors on this color wheel of expression. But then there's also like the self-realization or the inner engineering or like what is the nature of consciousness? What do you think about that?
1: Um, yeah, I think that, that uh, I guess that also is something that is very relative to each person, right? Because, um, you know, from a spiritual sense, uh, and if you focus your life around the, your, your, your spiritual life, then your perspective on that might be, you know, your connection to your God, you know? Um, and that's like consciousness for you. Uh, and then for other people, it's, you know, very tangible, right? Because they are what they do. so them going to work or, you know, someone like who really like focuses just on their family. Um, You know, and I don't think anyone really does this singularly. I think there's some people out there that are like kind of like anomalies that are like able to say like, hey, I only care about this aspect. And in terms of consciousness, that's what they're like really connected to. Um, But I think a lot of us have uh, uh, pieces of this that we have to like put together, you know, Um, and, and that it forms our consciousness.
0: How do you feel about the unity of all being and existence? Do you feel a oneness?
1: Yeah, you know, like when you, we, when you mentioned it earlier, I, I like I I had to like think about it on a variety of like in a variety of capacities, right? And I think that like you know, twenty twenty has been this is a great conversation for twenty twenty because like you know we've had to go through you know. We've had to go through a pandemic. We've had to go through a political election. We've had to go through like racism, right? Or like to like really understand that it's actually happening for a lot of people. A lot of people already knew it was happening, but when you think about those three things, um, which for me that's top top of the mind, um, you know, you would really think that there's like a complete disconnect, right? That there is no oneness. but, like, I'm a spiritual person, so I tend to believe that everything's connected and everything happens for a reason. So my default setting is that there's a oneness. You know, I'm an optimist by nature, so I constantly think that, like, everything is working um, uh, in tandem, you know? So, so, yeah, I do believe that there's a oneness. But, like, if you, if you look around and you look online and, you, you know, you, you talk to a lot of people, um, that might be, not be reflected.
0: Yeah, one of the best ways that I've heard this explained is diversity in oneness. That's the Sri Aurobindo and the Mother Mira fasa And it resonates because it synthesizes our last couple of minutes of conversation where you have both that, that inner engineering, that true embodied awareness of the unity of all being in existence, And yet, simultaneously, the experience of all of the different conscious agents, the diversity of life experiences and gifts that are being actualized, execution of ideas and projects. And that when we hold both of those at the same time, simultaneity being key, that kind of plants us firmly from our understanding on the show. It plants us firmly in what we hypothesize as the nature of reality, which is that you hold both that oneness while you hold the unique individuality that you have and that you get to express in the oneness. Right,
1: right. Yeah, I mean, life is duality, right? So um, there's always going to be like yin-yang. There's always going to be hot-cold. There's always going to be you know, the the two sides.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite ways to visualize it is that we have the, the, the duality is how the creation is being expressed and what sort of can we can potentially see transcends the duality is the unity that incorporates the duality in it as in there's one infinite creator expressing itself through all of the different realities including this one and the way that it is expressed is through that polarity that we're talking about between two harmonic opposites that are in constant flux right yeah yeah it it sounds like you're pretty familiar with that style of teaching
1: yeah i mean i I follow like uh a lot of the you know um kind of same i mean first of all i I think if you listen to or read anything personal development you're gonna always like you know encounter this right because that's like it's like human nature about you know when you're like trying to build yourself up um when you're trying to grow to like have to deal with the dualities um so yeah i'm I'm pretty like well not well versed but i i I pay attention (laughs) oh
0: yeah. yeah yeah I like how you also bring it to the to the level of as a really interesting synthesis in what we talk about in chapter two of high-level perception in this idea of trajectory mechanics is that you have what can be viewed as a synthesis between physicalism with something like Newton's third law of motion that the every action has an equal and opposite reaction and a very spiritual perspective which is that the ascent and descent happen at the same time so meaning something like as you're in your personal development the individual is undergoing something like the beauty of like the actualization of their gifts or the execution of their idea what would typically happen is something like wow i've made a massive step in the upward roller coaster direction and it's like yes and then it's like the next day like you're usually sent on some sort of a descent and it's because you're now more prepared you're more equipped and this is why people like carl jung from studying tens of thousands of of psychoanalysis of different people was able to abstract out a pattern of that the roots have to reach hell for the fruits to reach heaven. And that's why the entrepreneurial journey is usually one of the most roller coaster-esque processes.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can see that. And I mean, there's a lot of, yeah, of course, there's a lot of truth to that. I don't actually, I don't, I, I don't look at it so, um, in terms of entrepreneurship, I don't think that, I don't look at it so, um, so in depth. I think it's like kind of actually just really simple um like pursue something you're passionate about and like work hard and i think that like life whether you work hard or not and whether you pursue something that you're passionate about or not like life is inevitably gonna like throw you some blows so like Mm. if life will Mm -hmm. inevitably throw you those blows you might as well be as equipped as possible to handle them so that's why you like pursue what you're passionate about and work as hard as you can so i mean I've, i've like looked into like I've read Sam Walton's book about, you know, building Walmart and and it's very interesting because like, you know, in retrospect, people are like, man, he's like the richest, like he was the richest man in the world. And I think when he passed away, he left like 10 of his family members on the top, like uh, top richest people, like top billionaires, like top 20 billionaires were like half the Walton family, right? Um, or half of the list was the Walton family. And like when you read his book, I mean, of course, like he wrote it. So like, you know, <laughs> you got to take with a great salt, but... Um, I think that while he was doing it, he was just going at it. You know, he didn't think that he was going to be the richest man in the world doing it. He just kept on going. And I think that this is like kind of like the distilled version that I like to look at like entrepreneurship as.
0: Yes, I like that highest level abstraction of identifying what the. North star is and just pursuing that with vigor on a daily basis. I love that very simple, refined distillation of it. And then if you double click in and look at it at the higher resolution, you can equip yourself with words like Nassim Taleb says anti fragility. Right. So you want to take basically the stressor that you experience, the trauma, and you want to quickly see it as a treasure and as a gift and as wisdom that you can bring to the world and things like this sort of the more that you see those higher resolution pieces to the journey as well the more equipped you are and that's why mentorship something crucial because if the mentor tells for example i didn't have somebody that was telling me when i was 19 moving to silicon valley that hey kid anti-fragility is super important use your traumas as your greatest treasures now we get to provide that to 19-year-olds that are currently in their process and we can act as as that piece for them. My question to you would be that as you identify that highest level abstraction of identifying what is your North Star and then pursuing that with a deep amount of vigor every single day, what would be not only your journey of how you identified what that is for yourself but also what you're seeing as a pattern for how other people are identifying it is it something like just exposure to the different options on the buffet and then sort of intuitively figuring out what is that north star
1: yeah i mean well i started in entrepreneurship um like I was 16 years old when I first started my, like started my first company. So like, I pretty much always knew that I wanted to be in business. So for me, um, I guess like I didn't really try to identify anything. It just like kind of came to me. Um, and then over time, uh, I guess maybe probably my dad also being a semi entrepreneur, you know, had a lot of the books, uh, around, I remember him, like, kind of forcing me to read The One Minute Manager at the beach. I hated reading, so I was, like, just skimming through, pretending I was reading. (laughs) But uh, I ended up actually, like, finish like, actually ended up reading the book. And then, like, he always had, like, Les Brown around. And when I was younger, I was, like, a lot more hard hard focused on, like, just doing. So that's why I, like, kind of pushed out some companies really fast. I raised, like, you know, my first round of funding when I was 19 for a startup um and now i mean i barely finished college right i mean i i didn't even want to do that that was a waste of my time at that point and now i mean in the past like several years i've been doing i did more reading in, a, in like a year than i did like in four years of like high school and you know yep. so like I, I really doubled down on that um so for me i think that i've always i've always known like kind of what i wanted to do like i think life just pushed me in that direction i never actually went out, out searching for it and um now I just kind of like have a more tu- like tuned in focus focus, if you will, because like when life happens to you, you start to understand like what's really important um and and what's like kind of fleeting. So you know, when I was younger and I kind of just was only focusing on like the making money aspect of things, and I started to get to know more people um, that had a lot of money but got to see like how their lives were, you know, and I was like, oh, snap." Uh, I hope I don't get uh, all this money just to like not end up having like some of these more important things, you know? So, uh, so I pay attention to that a lot more than just like a North star that basically, you know, dictates what I should be doing based on like my passion or purpose. You know, I try to make sure that I have all the tires with air in them.
0: This is super interesting, both that you identify your father's entrepreneurship as something that was Part of the catalysis of your interest in figuring out your own entrepreneurial passion but also that you give this analogy of all four tires of the human vehicle having a solid amount of pressure in them in order for the vehicle to be really strongly roaring or- along And the question would be something like, what are your four tires?
1: I would say like uh, lifestyle, relationships, career, and um, community.
0: Okay. Let's do this.
1: Don't ask me to repeat it.
0: (laughs) I heard lifestyle.
1: Community, relationships, and career.
0: Okay. So... Lifestyle. Relationships. Yeah. Okay. Community and career. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And... lifestyle relationships community and career so let's unpack the nuances of this in these different tires on the car right what does as we execute ideas into the world as we pursue these north stars what are the nuances of each one of these tires that ensure that we are living a maximum well-being process along the way like what's lifestyle let's start with that
1: yeah i mean um I, it is it's different for a lot of people right so like i guess like people have to just like understand what is important for them for me lifestyle has always been able to have a sense of independence mm. um so i always wanted to be able to like kind of just do what i want when i want um and so being able to travel, being able to meet the type of people I want to meet, um, being able to like represent, like like illustrate my personality with the way that I dress or the way that I, you know, act or the way that I speak. That's always been important to me. So so that's lifestyle. Right. I mean, to me, just like being able to, uh, you know, be yourself and kind of do do things the way that you want to do it.
0: Reminds me of that Alan Watts quote: "The artist that does not pander to the gallery."
1: Yeah, it's
0: pretty interesting. So, and, the- and if you, and,
1: and, and if I think that you become that artist that like, uh, that you know the the audience is like too much in favor, and then you might be doing
0: something wrong. That's super interesting too. That's yeah. a cool way to put it. Like if the audience is if you don't have haters, you're probably doing something a little bit wrong. As yeah, I'm well. trying to get some myself. You know where I could go get some. I'm not
1: a, I'm not a big like, you know, I, I'm, I'm yeah, I, I don't really, I guess, pay attention enough either. Um. So I don't actually ever see them, but yeah, it's. It, I, I think that's exactly what I was saying. You just need to be able to make sure that you're always like, kind of developing, you know. And in order to grow, you need to have a little bit of like that pain factor. You need yeah. to be able to
0: go against the grain a little bit. Totally. So, yeah. To be to be actually growing. Dude, people are insulting me in the comment section on this channel all the time. It's so funny. Word. Like yeah. Word. Like like on at least, like usually at least on, on every episode. There's usually a bunch of positive comments about like the guest and like what they're teaching and like m- myself as an interviewer and then there'll usually be a comment on those episodes that are something about ne- negative about about me but especially on the ones where it's just me when I do like like yesterday I did the a stream on my heroic dose of psilocybin that I took on Saturday, which is five grams of an entheogen that then awakens you to the nature of being in reality. And there were a lot of huge flood of positive comments and there were a decent amount of, of negative ones. And that's been a reoccurring theme as I do these breakdowns of my metaphysics and my ideas about what the nature of consciousness and being is and stuff like that. And it, it kind of makes you wonder like, like you know the way that Gary Vaynerchuk and a lot of other people kind of reference this is like you kind of you kind of feel like you kind of feel a little bit bad for people that spend their time on writing negative comments to other people. Like, well, I thank them for the contribution. Then you think that <laughs> you thank them for the fuel as well. You're like, hey, thank you. Like, but I mean, like, what kind of a state of consciousness do you have to be in in order to write a negative comment? Like, I haven't written a negative comment to somebody in years and it's really nice yeah Be- yeah
1: no i was just gonna say i mean i don't i don't like uh kind of pay attention to it in either way because i think that people in their journey are in different places so i guess i never know what people are going through yep. um when they actually sit down to write something or to say something or to do something and i think that like hurt people hurt people so, like, they that, essentially, that's that's yeah, it. so if yep. someone's saying something negative or doing something negative, you kind of have to also, like, have a little sympathy and think, like, you know, I hope they, like, develop, you know, in a way that kind of gets, they get past something like that. Or yes. Like that. But, you, yeah. never, you know,
0: exactly. Yeah. That's a, We've heard that on the show so much. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah. yeah. And that the evolution of consciousness is moving people away from that malevolence and more towards that enlightenment and it's it's really nice so lifestyle was heavily focused on independence i like that a lot how about relationships
1: yeah um relationships is tiered i guess like when you think about like um family friends your i guess romantic partner um i think a lot of that is shifting um on how we look at relationships because of kind of i think all the technology around us and like being able to like get around you know like i have groups of friends in different parts of the world because um technology allows that you know there was a point in time where we were like you left high school and like you never saw those people again yeah and now they're like all on my facebook Yeah. so like you know yeah. that that shifts a little bit like relationships but and and in, in general though like life is about like kind of who you have around you and being able to have lo- you know, those, the, that ecosystem of people. Um, so that's something that if you, you know, if you're not, if you got all the money and everything else, but no, um, relationships in, you've done a, you've had a terrible go at it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I like the, I like the breakdown again, the tiered breakdown of it and family, romantic friends, it's kind of like you said, it's an ecosystem. I like that a lot. And then let's do community.
1: Um, community, I focus on like um, when, I, when I say community, I, I, I kind of hyper focus on like, um, like kind of your, yeah, like your spiritual community mm. and being able to like give back. Um, so I think that it's really important to have like a, gr- a good um, circle of people that kind of keep you grounded and I think in that circle is people that you volunteer with, you kind of give back to, like, people who are less fortunate. Um, I think that's, like, really important.
0: A focus there on spirituality, giving back in community. It's strong like that. Now, four, career. Career.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I didn't like put them in any specific order, but I think you hit the nail on the head um, because I would uh, put career last because I think, you know, we Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time focusing on what we're doing and, you know, we identify with that a lot. And I think when you're like, you know, if you're pursuing something you're passionate about is great. I mean, for a lot of people, it takes it it takes over. So that's why it's really important to have the balance. Um, But, yeah, I think career is really important because if you if you like we're put we're we're put on this earth. My belief is that we're put on this earth to like work, to, to create. Um, and I feel like if you're not, if you're not doing that, then, then you're missing a, a huge part of it. And, and you're likely unfulfilled, uh, despite what you may, you know, trick yourself into thinking.
0: Yeah. I like that a lot as well. So we have the breakdown of career, like in that passion and that North star that we are we are literally here to create and that we need to identify what that is and simultaneously we need to identify what the true nature of our being is at the same time that's that interior self realization of that one infinite creator and that exterior artistry of our unique north star actualization I like this a lot so I might need a copy yeah, well, that's why, <laughs> this, is why, this is why we do it on the pro, on the program. Yeah. We do these visualizations. This is and it happens over and over again with our different guests is that, you know, we get these breakdowns of what their sort of ethos and and pillars are to their their being. And then we share them with other people and we play the tennis which kind of helps unpack it and so it's usually really insightful like this one and so then maybe my my next question about this would be something like now do you look for these as patterns is this would you say a pattern of of maximizing your your well-being as you pursue a north star I don't follow the pattern part that when you focus on these tires in the car that the pattern is to identify that you want to ensure that you have strong relationships like that you want to ensure that you have a deep amount of spirituality and that you're giving back and that once these tire the pattern is that you make sure that the pressure is being filled in these tires
1: i wish um but i think it's just something i know um and like as you go through life i mean unfortunately on a day to day basis i don't uh look at this and say hey are you hitting all these checklists Mm. um unfortunately i'm not there yet Uh, But I think, you know, at a high level, I know that these things are important. So like half the battle is just like kind of acknowledging it and then making sure that I think that as you acknowledge it throughout like your life, it kind of gets fulfilled one way or the other.
0: Yeah, I like that. It seems to be very intuitive for you. And I like that a lot. And sometimes it doesn't need that quantified self data visualization component of it but sometimes it can be really helpful because then you can actually visualize potentially what the pressure actually is in the tire whereas sometimes it can be difficult to make that realization until maybe something is occurring where one of your family members or your friends is feeling like you know in that relationship tire that they're not they're not feeling you yeah i'm like failing at half of it yeah. <laughs> okay. oh, oh, I'm, I'm doing I just best. know it's important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially like well-being is such an important one. It's like this constant reminder to take care especially of the physical vehicle yeah. that then ensures that everything else downstream is successful. Would it be fair to sort of unpack your macro level view on the process of the formation of almost famous group and as we sort of unpack that part of your your journey is it is it fair to say that you also look at these things in the entrepreneurs and the influencers and the investors that you add to your ecosystem
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that like um, when you're pursuing, uh, I don't want to say only business, but when you're pursuing opportunities, opportunities for friendships, opportunities for business, opportunity for anything, right? I think that you have to kind of look at how those like types of people that you want to, you know, uh, connect with, uh, how they fit in to your, you know, kind of life plan. Um, I had a friend who told me something really interesting. It was like the first time I heard it. She was basically like, when you pursue an opportunity it either has to be like financially rewarding you either i mean if not all three but financially rewarding um or be with people that you really want to work with uh or an idea that you really are passionate about Mm -hmm. so it should fit into one of those three because a lot of times we take work just because of the money right because we need it and we're just like hey i don't care what it is i'll just do it um, but other times we take on opportunities, especially in the startup realm where it's just like really cool people and you just know that you connect. And a lot of incubators, um, they focus on the people because if yep. the people work well together, it doesn't matter what they're doing. Um, they're going to be successful at something. Um, and in other people just like, like like an idea, right? Maybe they evangelize around a certain thing that happens all, all the time in like um, politics, right? Like people are like really uh, certain about the Democratic Party or Republican Party and they push in that direction despite who's on who's the head. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that in general, I pretty much try to, try to focus on like making sure that people fit, you know, my
0: framework. And then what would that sort of be like where someone does fit into that framework? And then how do you sort of add them into this funnel of your ecosystem? and then allocate these like puzzle pieces and resources into the proper kind of trains of ideas that are being executed.
1: Yeah, so I think that like um, in life you kind of meet like, or in business you meet like a variety of types of people, right? There's some people that just have, you know, a lot of money but can't come up with an idea of like how to use it. Or they probably have a lot of ideas on how to use it but maybe nothing really interesting to them, you know? You know, some people, they just have more money than they know what to do with. So uh, in that scenario, you want to make sure you're like getting people who or in that scenario. You want to make sure that like you kind of find something that they could be passionate about, that the money's an afterthought. You know, they're like, hey, you know, I just want to pursue this idea. Um, Like if you try to go in with like if you try to go in with like, hey, I'm going to make you a lot of money from this startup. You know, that's like a really like obviously people want to make a lot of money if they think they're going to be a unicorn. That helps a lot. But You might not want to lead with that if you're not like, you know, there's like a lot of people that can like promise a lot of money. If you go to any banker, they'll like give you a lot of options, you know, Um, real estate is like something everyone goes into. So what you really want to do is really be selling them on like what type of lifestyle they can have because of this type of business, you know, or what type of relationships they could build because of this type of business and the money be kind of like, oh, you'll make money, too. But that that may not be the core focus, you know um i probably shouldn't be saying that a lot of people are like no i want my money but i think that's like a huge part of it right yeah. um uh like that's why everyone goes a lot of people go into entertainment because like i mean is it lucrative yeah but is that like the core thing that people are going in it, uh, going into it for not really right they're going into it because they're passionate about that like they they like the idea of being on a world stage and being able to like walk on a red carpet that's important to them
0: express themselves yeah
1: yeah that's a big one so so that i, I try to focus on like bringing those types of people together there's like in throughout history there've always been like the artists and their um and their like patrons you know like the people who like actually support them um yeah. and and so I feel like uh when you're like building a startup uh that's kind of like you'll, you always got to bring those two people together
0: yeah looking back even 500 years ago we had the Medici family that catalyzed a mass amount of the the artistic renaissance and also the scientific because of patroning Michelangelo and Raphael and Botticelli and Da Vinci and Galileo and similarly today when we look at the way that venture capital structures work that there is a sort of investment into the equity of the idea that catalyzes it yet there seems to be still some sort of like missing component because not all ideas are ones that are generating money and this has been really difficult for many, especially scientists, engineers that are trying to, you know, help eradicate some sort of like neurodegeneration, but then it's like, it's going to take me a year to three years just to get to a little bit of proof that what I'm doing is eradicating some of those beta amyloid plaque tangles that occur in the formation of Alzheimer's disease and investors typically want to identify something that is like software, it's scalable. You have an amount of customers and yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a definitely a, a hard balance, right?
1: There's definitely like low attention on a lot of, um, on a lot of, uh, you know, industries because it's not cool enough. So, Uh, but i think it balances out Uh, yeah i can't really say that but it it, it balances out to some degree right because like you have like you know wealthy people um suffer the same challenges as like everyone else right so like you know when you find like you know bill bill gates mom died of cancer right so like i don't know this but i'm pretty sure a lot of his a lot of his money is going towards like cancer research you know so i think that there's like this happens throughout time uh Quite often where someone like suffers an ill fate And they're just like how do I make sure this never happens again So like they use uh, Against all logic they basically like plunge into, you know, different types of industries because of whatever, for whatever reason, yes, you know, yes. some people go into homelessness because they're just like, you know, I had like, you know, be, whether I went through it or a family went through it, that was, you know, they think like, I never want to see this happen to someone again, you know, yep. and so without you know, if there, is there a way, more balanced way of doing that, um, like di- distributing funds? Um, I'm sure, right? Uh, but you know, people, I'm, I feel like life in general kind of like balances out over the course of time.
0: Yeah, yeah, over the course of time for sure. And then there's also sort of making it so that we do the light architecting that we're actually talking about because we can't live in the world of our vision of having less suffering and more basic needs be met and more gifts being actualized If we don't take those fundamental steps that are required, like in 1906 when we had the American Antiquities Act with John Muir and Teddy Roosevelt, we looked at our national parks and we were like, we need to make these sacred where you can't just come in and just absolutely destroy them for capitalistic purposes. And so we did that process and now we're sort of starting to figure out, well, maybe we should treat the psyche our mind also as sacred space as well, divine space as well. Maybe I shouldn't have to have the perverse incentives of the business plans of the attention economy that are mining my data and my attention and creating asymmetries in that and feeding propaganda into my psyche based on that there's double edgedness to the sword of course because you can also get a recommendation of something that's really strong and a good alignment with you but these are sort of the ideas that if we want to make it so that a beyond the venture capitalist and the founders of a company that you have like what silicon valley introduced into the the ecosystem a couple of decades ago was that, well, let's start having the employees earn equity as well on these vested cliffs that happen every single year. And so that's a good way to sort of stakehold more people into the equation. Maybe the founder and investors each take just a couple less percentage points. And they distribute that across the employees and maybe one of the next things you want to do is you want to say well okay well maybe beyond the employees maybe the customers themselves the ones that are actually creating a massive part of the company's wealth maybe they also deserve to earn tokens or shares of equity in the company as well
1: That goes to the stock market and so
0: then An example where that's countered, in a sense, because it's a good point, is that it doesn't matter if the company goes to the stock market, if the example driver for Uber, let's say, has been generating, let's say, $25,000 a year in wealth for Uber, but they have been earning zero tokens. In the ownership of Uber, and Uber is a private company that is not public. And even if it was publicly available and it was being traded as tokens or shares, that driver for their maybe they've been driving for eight years, maybe they've been driving for Uber for a long time at $25,000 a year of wealth generation, that would be $200,000 of wealth generation for Uber. Yeah, they deserve a stake of that.
1: Yeah, that's like a little bit of a, <laughs> uh, I guess as a, as an entrepreneur, like I guess I think about it kind of two ways, right? Because like um, Uber is like a very risky business, uh, like ride sharing in general. When it first came out, was like, you know, who'd have thought that it was going to be successful, right? I mean, like we've always been told not to get in a, like in, into the car with a stranger, so they took like a lot of risks to launch their business, so just because someone decided to like start using my product as either a producer or consumer um, i don't think that i owe them anything right so now when i do decide to let them be part of my company i think that's when like they could buy like that's when my company goes public and there's other platforms there's a lot of websites now where you could be kind of a micro investor before they go public Mm -hmm. so if that driver like if If Uber had that sort of plan in place, like some like other startups that aren't as well funded as as Uber does, if they had that plan in place, then um, then, of course, you can there's a system for you to participate. But case in point is like most on average, that person that's like driving for Uber, um, if they let's just put it this way, that they're not on these other platforms investing in startups that are risky. You know what i'm saying so like they're not going on like republic or like startup engine and like putting themselves at as an investor and saying hey you know what i I use this product so i want to like uh you know participate and it's financial stability um so so i kind of think different about that because like you never know uber can still flop you know um it's still very risky uh you know airbnb throughout COVID has gone through like a lot of challenges Now, the question is whether or not someone who, like, let's say, is an Airbnb host wants to go through those challenges with Airbnb. Like, would they be willing to lose money? Like, would they be willing to, like, go into debt for it for Airbnb? You know what I'm saying? So, like, I look at it this way because I I don't think that just because, you know, just because a company's, you know, doing well and I use their product or I, like, participate in their ecosystem, I just automatically are owed, you know?
0: In a sense, to me, on a macro scale, it's as though every human on the planet deserves a share of the pie of our planet. It would be weird for me to not feel that way, you know. Uh, like, deserve a, is a strong word. <laughs> like, may, may, and it just because you woke up. Well. M- and this is where your assessment is very accurate which is that this sort of heterarchy a decentralized approach also incorporates a hierarchy within it at the same time because the person on the color wheel that has a north star that is around providing a good or a service or something of value to millions of people around the planet in the hierarchy is going to get rewarded with a greater share of that pie that we're talking about and someone that's waking up and is a good parent or citizen in the world is going to get a lesser share of that pie but that they still deserve a share of that pie just like The biodiversity of the planet deserves a share of the pie. For example, the phytoplankton that is currently across our oceans that is undergoing the photosynthesis that provides us with 70% of our oxygen that we take 20,000 inhales per day of, they deserve to be an inclusive stakeholder in our planet's success. But right now they're not. Which is why we are acidifying the oceans and we're also polluting the environment that we don't realize has an interdependent relationship with our own existence. So you see how the inclusive stakeholding idea in terms of everything having a share in the pie of the planet's trajectory makes sense at the level of our interdependence. And unity
1: yeah i think that the way you're describing it i don't know if it translates directly but i can see how loosely it translates i get it in other words
0: yeah and i'm working on being able to sort of story tell this in ways that are more and more convincing and relatable and
1: yeah. I mean, a, a lot of people share this uh, thinking. I mean, there's a new um, concept, uh, UBI, Universal Basic Income. That... And
0: rather than UBI, it should be UBS, Universal Basic Stakeholding. This is what, you know, as you say that, I've already underwent this process by running these economic simulations. It's not about getting income itself. It's about actually having a stake which then gives you income, but you are an actual inclusive owner rather than just getting paid out. And so that's the next step beyond the actual income is to be a stakeholder and get paid out, a dividend for your stakeholding.
1: Right. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I think that um I've never been a fan of like like nepotism. Like I've never been a fan of like just getting something just for just because like you're in line, like, you know? So I, I feel like yeah, like yeah, that I guess that's an interesting concept. I've never thought through it like this because I've never like, you know, had to, but um but that that's a very interesting uh uh train of thought.
0: It's really interesting that there's this balance between what we're talking about in the sense of I agree with you so much on how in that hierarchy within the heterarchy there must be a disproportionate asymmetric reward for those that hustle and execute a divine vision that brings value to other people at greater levels than those that are potentially doing something that may be consumption-oriented on a day-to-day basis solely. If somebody is solely Playing the video games that other people are producing and focusing maybe 10 hours a day on that gaming process, that, unless there is also a component of like there's the emerging esports leagues that exists, and maybe they're contributing value in that sense or maybe they themselves are also interested in designing and producing the games as well or creating communities around the games that they're playing and creating value that way there's myriad ways to create value but if you are solely oriented on a consumption level you are inevitably going to get less of what the pie is and so i definitely agree in that sense simultaneously but on a planetary level I definitely want to ensure that the basic nutrient needs are being met and that's why you know we spend so much time on the program indicating like in high-level perception In chapter one, we talk about this analogy between the tree and the human and that the nutrients at the root level of the tree need to be met in order for the tree to produce the fruit. Very similarly with the human, that those basic needs need to be met at the nutrient level in order for the human to self-actualize and self-realize both the nature of their being and a unique creative contribution into the world and that's why you have things like the united nations sustainable development goals that are obsessed with getting us to zero pop i i don't currently know and the planet doesn't currently know what we're missing out on creatively as unique contributions of people around the world just because they don't have the basic luxury of tap water and that they have to carry a jerry can on their head for kilometers to a well and then bring it back every single day and spend that time on that and that's something to to explore you know another thing here what as we were saying before is we don't know if there's actually models for these un sdgs that are entrepreneurially capitalistically create the incentives that then make it so that investors are super interested like on a planetary level how many high net worth investors are you know thinking about what they can do by funneling financing into the meeting the basic need of water around the planet without needing to get a one-year return on that investment or two-year return. That's not the issue.
1: The issue isn't uh, finance. Uh, I think the gap uh, from kind of the gap between the person needing water in a third world country or even someplace to be able to use the restroom and like the financing and availability for as a society, as a, as a world to be able to provide that, that gap in between that, like the is corruption, right? There's like a lot of corruption. There's like a lot of abuse. Um, there's a lot of like, I mean, yeah, just in general, there's a lot of stuff in between that, that in, disables that financing to get to the people. Um totally, so totally. so so I don't think it's just like a totally. I don't think it's like a like a you know a war on capitalism that like you know hey we need to break this thing up or this is bad because these people are suffering it's like you know the, if you go to like I I've, I've been to Bangalore India and like I you know talk to the folks like that that are actually there and they're like now we have a lot of money but it just like I well, probably shouldn't say this but it's like it's a corruption that actually stops the, stop, stops them from the, getting the roads
0: made because the money's there but it just doesn't trickle down and promulgate the vision to to other people. You're right that corruption is something that's massively impeding meeting the basic needs and actualization of gifts around the world. And furthermore though, it it, it seems as though the core of what the most upstream issue is that then leads to all of the downstream things that we're talking about around people that are choosing to be corrupt or where people are choosing to not identify these basic needs that need to be met around the planet to actualize these gifts. The most upstream thing is consciousness. So the most upstream thing is that The more that somebody realizes the true nature of their being, the interdependence of everything that exists, the unity of all being in existence, when they see the self in the other, when they see that the other is actually another self, it's like an other self... When you get to that level of consciousness, when you're experiencing things that are in the transpersonal and the non dual space, everything downstream unfolds frictionlessly, perfectly. Mm. How does that resonate?
1: Well, I think Dave Chappelle makes it like like a funny joke where he's like like because he doesn't really believe. I think he was listening to like the secret or something or reading the secret and like kind of like got through like a couple pages of it and he threw it away because he was like, um, someone made a someone made a um, uh, I mean he he understood like you know like oh you so you mean to tell me that like if these kids in Africa just like understood like you know the secret then like they would no longer be hungry or something like this and he was like no that's not the case like so for a lot of people it's not like self-actual self-actualization or like um consciousness right i mean like they're fully conscious they know what's going on they're just like in a scenario that like in a situation that's like not advantageous for them you know so like i think that if we d- decided to break down borders and like anyone could be anywhere they wanted in the world then i feel i feel like we'll find like the playing field even out really quickly you know So I think that, like, a lot of people are, like, they they know what they're capable of, you know. They work really hard, um, but they just don't have, like, that opportunity. Like, we're lucky being born in the U.S., you know, having the best economy in the world, you know. Um, You're even more lucky, (laughs) white male. (laughs) You have every opportunity, you know. So, like, there's, like, I I think that life deals, we we get these cards. Um, But there's, like, a lot of things that we can do with these cards, right? Because there's, like, a lot of people.
0: Yeah. There appears to be a layers of complexity around the unfolding of consciousness that makes it more multivariate and nuanced to identify some of these most downstream expressions of it I see a lot of the things that you describe as downstream expressions of consciousness and the social fabric and the structures that we've put it into and that on a most upstream point for me is the protocols the architectures the biomimicry of what currently exists like in mycorrhizal networks which is where there's a two-way resource exchange that happens underground between fungi and 95% of plants, that intelligence right there is a billion years old. And it's just very hubristic that we think that my 25, 35, 45-year-old existence is going to experience something downstream and I can solve something downstream by targeting something apparently downstream whereas it appears as though the most upstream thing is where the leveraging what was deployed approximately 12 years ago with the bitcoin white paper and the acknowledgement of what can happen with the decentralization protocols and you can use tokenomics you can use smart contracts, you can use what is an embedded biological archetype. It's like why the internet evolved. You know, the internet evolved because it's a biological archetype. Like we can be viewed as cells in the organism of the planet and that the cells want to frictionlessly communicate with each other across the planet. And that's why the internet emerges without a sort of uh, there's without molasses there's not much molasses the internet is pretty frictionless yeah and that's why the decentralization regarding things like cryptocurrencies are also like you were saying earlier when you sort of loosen some of the border structures and you make it more porous you actually enable the frictionless exchange of value across the planet with What will be Bitcoin and Ethereum and all of these other cryptocurrencies? Plus, you'll enable more creativity, like you say, when the porosity of borders loosens up as well. And it's very clear that we're heading towards that more globalized world. But at the same time, you have 7000 languages on the planet right now. We're projected for that to drop to 3,500 languages in just the next couple of decades. So we're going to lose half of the planet's languages. And it's being concentrated, obviously, in English, Mandarin, Arabic, Spanish. Yeah. And so there's also this driving force of nationalism. That is, we can be not disgusting about it. We can be not disgusting about globalization as well. If you drain the dirty bathwater...
1: Yeah.
0: And this is why you know we we make these graphics... Because it succinctly describes what we're talking about. This is in Chapter 7, the sorting algorithm. You need to drain the dirty bathwater from nationalism... And drain the dirty bathwater from globalism... And you need to rescue the baby from each and marry them because you want to retain the unique languages around the planet yeah because that's that's beautiful it's a cultural expression yeah it's beautiful
1: yeah well i I think um it this there's a parallel to like all of that like when we talk about ecosystems i mean when when it comes to like business um i've been always fascinated with like marketplaces simply because of this like you know like ecosystem and it obviously is um you know obviously has this connection to nature and and like you know uh, mankind's history um so i've always been fascinated in this sort of thing uh it's it's kind of like really the driving force of of my business i, I really like to bring different parties together um you know and I, I think when you do that uh over time you start to see like a lot of development you know synergies uh and 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 in that you you solve a lot of a a lot of problems that that are around
0: yeah this is to view the world from a a market's perspective is extremely enriching and important And simultaneously to balance that, in a sense, we can view it, again, like the sorting algorithm, which, again, feels very archetypal, as we were discussing earlier on the program, that the one infinite creator expresses itself as these two poles that are constantly in a flux. And so, in this case, with what we're talking about, it can be thought of as markets and economics is one of the poles. Right. And we have to, in a sense, we have to balance the economics and the markets with something like indigenous wisdom and things like nature and things like science balancing itself with spirituality, modernity balancing itself with indigeneity. That when we do that and we filter out the dirty bathwater from both those things and we take the the good fruits from them and we bring them together that enables us to more and more create the, that better future that our hearts know is possible, but that requires these sort of like visionary abstractions that make it easier for people to realize what we're most optimally meant to do to meet basic needs to eradicate suffering to create more abundance and more flourishing and more prosperity yeah so to me it's very much driven around like the most visionary abstractions about the optimization of civilization and in a very like protopia sense like protopia meaning just incremental bettering and Yeah, there's a very deep relationship between myself and everything that exists, and it would be the 0.1% unique difference of every single person's unique contribution and gift in the symphony. It's like your solo that you're playing in the symphony. And so that's how the creation expresses itself, expresses itself with an inward one infinite creator and an exterior infinite artistic expression that's unfolding through these unique individual conscious agents. And so to me, there's nothing that's more important than the most upstream, which is that self-realization and meeting the basic needs for more self-actualization to occur and it's really deeply intertwined with the executing of of ideas. I
1: I I agree. I agree. Um I think uh I think that yeah when you when you think about these um kind of just different ecosystems and like kind of putting it all together uh I think that you find that we naturally uh kind of create this like this the balance happens um like i was mentioning earlier where you like naturally want to like solve some of these problems and i think that like when we talk about executing ideas it it lends itself to like folks that are like they they have a problem or they see a problem and they kind of construct a solution and they use their ecosystem to be able to come together and say hey what's the best route to actually like you know come together and 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 execute this solution you know so um yeah definitely i i that's why i'm a fan of like kind of like putting together marketplaces putting together ecosystems because just bring together a group of people and i think when you do that
0: it becomes really powerful i want to ask you about this because it It really resonated with me what you were just saying in regards to there's sort of like, as we're talking about, like 77,000 different languages around the planet. And it's undergoing like an ethnographic condensation down to 3,500. In all of these different communities across the planet, there's these different philosophies, these different ideologies, these different essences expressions creativities uniqueness of being in these little cultures and so within their ecosystems they have different ways to solve problems and some of them just straight up leapfrog a lot of the existing ways of of solving problems i think it's really interesting when you look at things like like africa doing a big jump in some ways in some countries around getting beyond the 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 telecom infrastructures and jumping straight into mobile and jumping straight into the things like mpesa enabling the banking through the mobile systems i i wonder if there's more of that that can be enabled across the planet based on the regional areas creativity and meeting their need regionally and versus in a sense thinking about it on a on a planetary level because in that region there might be a solution that's more optimal given their way of life and living that is better for them than on a planetary level as we say saying let's install clean water taps inside of the community and maybe their response is something like, no, we, I mean, I could only talk about where I've
1: been, um, and what I've, what I've seen firsthand. I mean, um, and, you know, moving back to the U S and specifically LA from Dubai. Um, and while I was there, I was, uh, in the Philippines and, um, spent a lot of time in Europe, uh, and, uh, India um and i've been able to see like just how they do things um in, in other spaces and i think one of the most interesting things for me was how uber operated in india you know when i first got there i thought you know no way was i going to be able to get like you know get you know um you know they don't I, I don't know if they they get a lot of credit for like you know being able to uh build things uh you know locally like dubai is only like don't quote me on it but i think there's only like three million people there or so Mm -hmm. you know and um they're kind of like really small but they've been able to do some like really innovative work and that's because they they've been empowered to do it right um i think and and that's what happens when you give people like opportunity you get people from like kind of all over the world it's a melting pot and and they've been able to come up with some really good um uh, uh ideas and and um, you know, it, just talking about executing ideas, they've been able to just get it done. You mm-hmm. know, like between the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world, done in like such a short period of time. Palm Islands, like that's literally like a man-made island. You know, um, they like really uh, uh, when when blockchain and cryptocurrencies were coming out, they 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 really spearheaded a lot of that stuff. Um, so I thought it was like really interesting when you know you when you look at like globalization and and it's you know, uh, the shift that it goes into, to like localization. Um, I think you, you start to get like a lot of creative ideas.
0: Yeah, that's so spot on. I like the idea of equipping people, like you say, with your passion. I think that's spot on, very similar to the way that I see it. And as we equip people locally, they end up doing what whatever they want creatively. And it's that sort of fabric of opportunity that then enables people to pursue what localized creative process to our problems and it needs to be done in a balanced way where there's like a relationship a co-creative relationship with that with these regions of the world that that enable them to figure out that this is how we optimize Yeah. And it's exactly what you
1: said, too, because there's a lot
0: of places where, you know, what we
1: find um, really important, uh, they don't feel the same, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's like I think that like just because we um, look at something a specific way doesn't mean that we have to like um, impede that on other people. You know, it doesn't mean that we have to like pressure them into like, you know, kind of feeling the same way about something. I I think when we think about all the people in the world, um, you know, it's like. How many do you need to be on your side, you know, in order for you to be successful? You know, so if you look at it from that perspective, um, and I I think this is like the benefit of like localization is like you don't need the whole world to agree with your the way you run your grocery store. If it solves like your local problem and you're happy, then
0: by all means, continue doing your thing. I love that spot on is something that we were talking about um, before we started that I want to unpack with you is the. I went through an experience also around about eight years ago or so where I, I went to jail for four months due to trafficking cannabis. Oh wow. That's a long time. Yeah. And it was interesting. You didn't tell me that earlier. I didn't <laughs> tell you before we started. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's hilarious. Four months, bro. <laughs> it, was, it was pounds. It was like seven pounds and it was in South Dakota. And mm. that's, you know, and so, we were both. We're both very passionate about driving reform to where we unleash people that are currently incarcerated in the U.S., especially like Yay says. Meanwhile, the DEA teamed up with the CCA, and you can't have private prisons, and you can't have perverse incentives that drive more people to become incarcerated, and that especially when they're there for cannabis, which is a joke, and that. People deserve to be with their friends, their families, their creative expression and as a, in a very intelligent way, decriminalize and legalize for medicinal and recreational purposes all cannabinoids, hemp in the United States. Give me some of your thinking around this.
1: Yeah, it's a very similar. Um, that's a good question because that's, it's very uh, uh, similar to what I mentioned earlier. Uh, about corruption in these other countries that, like, prevent, you know, the idea of, you know, financial freedom um, and the actualization of that, you know, getting down to the people, right? So, like, the war on drugs is specifically that, is, like, corruption, you know? Um, and and I think when we think about, like, a lot of, like, you know, people of color, like, just being disenfranchised in this country, um, it stems from corruption. Um, so, like, it's not that people, um, you know, need a handout or something uh it's more that they the system needs to be fixed and then balanced out you know um so yeah i think that like i I got into like cannabis like actually um by mistake you know uh moving here from dubai like all drugs are like completely illegal um and i wasn't much of like much into like cannabis uh before that either right out i wasn't in dubai for like 5 years um so i obviously knew it was around but for sure since i was on the east coast i wasn't really as educated about it as as a lot of people on the west coast and the west coast they've been fighting this fight for a very long time so kudos to everyone that's been really like um uh applying pressure so that we're even at the point that we're at now yep. um so uh when i got into cannabis i Specifically, um, got into it because, uh, again, with like you know the combination of investors and um, you know building out you know projects with teams, uh, I had uh, an investor that was interested in building out uh, a marketplace in the space. Um, building out technology in the space, but I worked with him and, you know, his company in Dubai on building a marketplace. And so he, you know, tapped me as big, being the per, like a good person to like spearhead like technology. And we kind of bounced around some ideas on what that would look like. And that's where we came, you know, my, again, my, my background, specifically being in my being in, in marketplaces, that's when, you know, we came together on like building a marketplace for the cannabis space. And only when I started to get into it is when I started to understand exactly what's happening i was like very uneducated um and still like it's a lot of work to really unpack things because like you know the more act just passed and um you know there's a lot of like hooray from a lot of people that think you know that's like a really good step in a step forward but there's also like a lot of um uh wording in there that kind of keeps a lot of people like people of color Uh, disenfranchised right so i think there's a lot of work that needs to be done there and i think like the starting point is i mean there's a lot of social equity programs and things going on and you know we'll take everything right or anything to start but i think um you know the first thing that should have been done and should be done is just like like everyone that's in prison because of anything cannabis related it's like really it sucks that like there's people right now operating businesses where they're like making you know so much money and there's other people that are doing the same exact thing and they're in jail so i think that's like the first thing that needs to be done get them out um and then the second thing that can be done um is then like equipping them to like like really uh uh, um some sort of uh rehabilitation right where they're able to like get into business that they were already doing you know Uh, and then from that point on, there's other people that want to get in because they like me who are like, know not much about cannabis, but I just think that I can add value from a technology perspective. And so just like enabling folks like me to be able to say, Hey, you know what, this is like the one industry that we could have an equal playing field. We could, we could, we can be playing on an equal playing field, you know? Um, so I think that's like kind of the next step in, in cannabis, Um, So I think there's steps. There's a lot of people fighting a fight. Like there's a lot of activists that are really knowledgeable and they have a platform. So they're doing a lot. There's a lot of folks doing a good job in communicating uh, what needs to happen. Um, But I think, of course, there's a huge gap between like the activists and government officials actually taking action on kind of the right thing to do. There's a there's a mixed message on, you know, what they believe is the right thing to do. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of work to be done in the space.
0: It's kind of stuff is nuts. We've had Steve D'Angelo on the show several times, and he's unpacking the, and Tim Blake did this as well, just the massive lineage of several decades of blood, sweat, and tears that has went on in especially California here in terms of the process of getting back the this beautiful secretion from our planet that is here to serve us. And I feel very similarly about entheogens and psychedelics across the entire planet. They're here to serve us, heal us, awaken us, and that they can't fall to the same perverse incentives and forces that have, that have centralized and that have capitalized solely from a profit-driven perspective and that they need to be prioritized in a decentralized healing and awakening perspective across our planet and it's nuts that you can have something like someone that's incarcerated today for years and even decades for something that someone is legally doing today now so and the rehabilitation process and is uh is is critical and and again eradicating the corruption has a lot to do with the consciousness you can't have somebody that is in a state of deeply egoic self-dealing consciousness that is in a place of congress or in a place of running a fortune 500 company you can't keep pumping high fructose corn syrup as coca-cola or pepsi into civilization social fabric and then pushing all of the downstream effects onto the healthcare industry the when the people in those positions are awakened which they are slowly becoming more awakened they're doing things like wanting to uh, have only clean ingredients in their in their products and that's slowly creating the social fabric as well as the the individual awakening to what is a more beautiful future on a cannabis front on a hemp front entheogen, psychedelics consumption of information consumption of products in general and sort of seeing it from that that most upstream perspective over and over again for me has been kind of what has helped me realize that especially for people in positions of power we need to see like have you ever had a non-dual experience in your life have you ever felt the unity of all being in existence because if you haven't and you're in congress then you're almost surely going to have more self-dealing incentives so I, i really reason from this perspective conceptually and it seems to be most upstream You're more likely to take a bribe from the pharmaceutical industry or from any lobbyist that has a perverse incentive of wanting to promulgate their high fructose corn syrup or whatever it may be. If you haven't ethically or morally or spiritually awakened yourself. And so viewing it from that perspective is. It's like you need to become a a channel for. For Christ consciousness, Buddha consciousness, Lao Tzu, Confucius level consciousness, the highest possible level consciousness, which then makes everything downstream much better. I want to ask you another question. Shoot. This is one of our silly questions that we like wrapping the show with. <laughs> what's your favorite food?
1: Uh, what's my favorite food? You know... um man, I like everything. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on my mood. So I go from like, I go from like, I guess like grilled chicken to fried chicken to sushi to like yesterday I had a like, like I just really wanted Thai food. So, like, it just depends. I go through a season of stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Like, I really like sweets, but I like, as a rule, I'd never buy it. So, I wait until there's an occasion, like a Mm, birthday or something, where I know it's going to be there, you know? There you go. So, I just wait. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, I like everything, but it just, uh, yeah, it depends on, like, kind of, you know, what mood I'm in. Especially, like, in California, like, versus, like, let's say... Dubai or miami right because like in california like you get like a lot of mexican food uh there's a lot of ramen Mm -hmm. i've never seen so many ramen restaurants
0: yeah
1: and so but a lot it is delicious you know so yeah i like everything but it depends on my mood and kind of like where i am and you know yeah do you like cooking yourself I'm a huge fan of cooking. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of cooking. I've been doing a lot of it, especially with this pandemic. Uh, I've had to learn, and it saves you a lot of money.
0: Are you (laughs) you cooking your own grilled and fried chicken?
1: Not fried, grilled. Grilled. I try to be healthy. Yeah, yeah. But I, like, literally just had, like, fried chicken the other day. I haven't had it in so long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, because it's not really, like, I I feel like you can't really get it a lot of places. Like, a lot of restaurants you go to aren't, like. -hmm. And like, it's super difficult to cook, like, right? I mean, like, you gotta. It takes more time for sure. And you have to get oil and cooking oil. Yeah, I'm good on that. (laughs) You have to to get the the
0: batter to actually stick on the chicken, which is one of the hard parts, too. I've been
1: doing bolognese and I've been doing like, I've like baked chicken, asparagus, uh, and like sweet potatoes. I love that. I'll do that. (laughs) Huge fan of that. Yeah. Sweet potato
0: and asparagus are two of my favorite sides as well. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah.
1: So, so yeah, I've been been doing a lot of cooking. So it's it's really cool. Like, I mean, throughout this time, like, we've had, like, a lot of opportunity to, like, look within, right? So, like, basically, you know, I think, like, between, like, cooking and focusing on, like, like, really, like, I want to say your personal development, but I feel like that's, like, kind of just like, like, um, uh, diluting it, you know, but like being like, you know, with stay at home orders here and there, you know, things opening up and then closing, like soon as things opened up, I started to really think about like, what is the most important thing to me? You know, I was like, what did I miss the most? So in a lot of cases that was like going to like some of my favorite restaurants that just opened, you know, one thing that I really wish happened was like, um you know music venues uh like you know i love live music and that's like something i've like really missed throughout this time so Mm -hmm. that kind of sucks but um but yeah like just i think in this time period i've been able to like focus on like you know just being able like when i when i think about cooking and putting together ingredients it just reminds me a lot um you know uh, it reminds me a lot about like you know myself and business you know like when you think about like these four tires that we talked about earlier and like making sure like i i've just you know like Think about like what are what's going to be done after you like put those ingredients together you know
0: exactly so yeah and that's a great way to to wrap is to reconnect on these points these tires lifestyle relationships community career under lifestyle independence under relationships family romance friends under community spirituality giving back under career passion north star beautiful
1: yeah yeah <laughs> thanks for coming on the program my brother. thank you thank for you. having me i really thank appreciate you. it it's been great it's been how great fun yeah so uh what happens
0: next how does this work so now we thank our audience thanks for tuning in everyone We greatly appreciate you We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below on the episode. Let us know what you think about everything that Ted's sharing with us about executing ideas. We'd love to hear from you. You can check out the links in the bio below. We have both Ted's website. We have his Instagram profile. We have his LinkedIn profile. Go give him a follow. Go and uh, connect with him on those platforms. Reach out if you'd like. And support the Artists, the entrepreneurs, the spiritual leaders, the scientists and engineers around the world that you believe in, support them and help them flourish. You can support simulation. Our links are below to our show. Help us execute our biggest goals out here as well. And that's all, folks. Execute your ideas into the world. We love you very much. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Evan, for making the intro. We love you very much, too. And Go and build that future, a more beautiful future our hearts know is possible. See you soon. Thanks, Alan. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Alan. Peace.